Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I know for the next six months, God just kind of gives me themes I've just got to talk about and, and pray about for six months at a time. He just That's just one of his ways with me. What he's going to be, what he wants me to talk about for the next six months is this, and you'll you'll know it because I've been speaking already. It's the prophecy, prophets, and the prophetic priesthood of every believer, right? What's really important is we understand, break it down, and demystify what prophecy is. It just means to hear the Lord, to receive revelation, and know how to act upon it. That's it. That's it. And so prophecy. Prophecy, every single one of us, you know, because we say this all the time, every single one of us can pray into and exercise and use the gift of prophecy. Paul encourages us to, right? And then there's also the prophet, which is um, sometimes it's a different type of uh, person. It's not everybody can prophesy, but not everybody is a capital P prophet that has the job of being a prophetic leader, being a voice to sometimes government, to um, school systems, to the nations or into churches and about culture. And those, those people... Uh, really bring truth to lies, right? Bust through some of the stuff in culture that we see. Those people's job is also to stir up the prophetic gift in every other person in the church. But then there's also this other piece to it and it is the prophetic priesthood of every single believer. And so, I'm not off my my notes already again. (laughs) You know, Adam was put into the middle of the garden, but the garden was like a type of temple, and he was put into the middle of the garden as a priest to worship God. And part of the worship was to sing. We've already been singing. That's part of worship, only one part, because our whole life of obedience to God is also worship, and he takes it all into his heart. And it doesn't really matter on any given day what you're doing. If you're doing it with the Lord and in that obedient place of bringing him into those every moment, it is worship. It is honor to his heart, and he takes it all into his heart as worship. And it's, So Adam was set into the garden like a type of temple, as a priest, God's priest. And, and every false religion since has copied that one version, that one, that original version and design, which was God's to begin with, right? And so the whole idea of a temple and a priest in the first place was out of the heart of the Father. Our own bodies now are the temple. Our own bodies now house the Holy Spirit. He has come and he's, you know, made himself settled down in your heart, Right? And so, and so he's turned you into a priest that is to bring worship and the whole of your life to be this thing that just lives to honor and to glorify and to bring praise to the name of Jesus Christ. And, and so you in that way are a priest unto God, right? That is the new creation, part of the new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. As a new creation in Christ, you've been made a priest. And so we should not feel weird about that word because maybe we... Um, associate it with some other kind of um, religion that's more denominational and they use it in a traditional sense but not a biblical sense. Does that make sense? Priest means separated one, separated unto God. That's all it means. And we've all been separated unto God because we are being made holy because being made, the Greek word holy is a use or a year. It just means to be separated unto God. Same as the word for priest. It's the same, sacredness. Your life has been made holy. You are sacred. You are set apart to worship God, to honor him with everything that you do. And so you are holy and you're a priest unto him. That's, that's what the new creation life is meant to look like. And so, so, so let's like take out of our mind, that old mindset, if some of us have like, I, I, I was going to be a nun. Some of you know that, right? Like I was like, I was on that track. And, and in, the, in, the, in, that, in, in the Catholicism, like it's only certain men, only are priests. And there's the whole of the hierarchy that's built upon that. But, but I got to say to you, you don't find that in the New Testament when we're talking about the new creation believer at all in any way, shape or form. They've modeled it after the Old Testament temple worship which God did away with when Jesus Christ came to set up the new creation. Do you understand? 
And Jesus did that because we're all a type of Adam. We're all meant to be a type of Adam where we live and breathe and do life with Jesus every day and we walk around doing whatever it is. Um, okay, a mum, changing baby nappies, diapers. When I was nappies, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> the Australian's going to come out sometimes. Um, um, nappies, <laughs> I've still got to go with it because it's hard for me to say diaper. Diaper. I can't even say it like an American. <laughs> um, nappy. Um, in Australia, um, in my early 20s, I was about 23 or 24, I spent time with a woman who was just a really great prayer warrior. I'd just try and get around her and I went to one of, one of her house one day just to go spend time praying with her. And um, um, uh, so 1993 this was and, and she's like we, we use cloth diapers in Australia more often than we'll use the disposables and so she's I turned up to a house at 9am I thought we were, I was walking into a prayer meeting instead I walked into her washing diapers nappies oh <laughs> I said Australian and corrected it no American then corrected it to Australian sorry people <laughs> so, um, uh, she, she was washing her um, uh, diapers and um and um, for the next hour and a half, I thought we were going to be praying, and we did pray, right? But, but really for the next hour and a half, she just brought me into her life of, um, as a prayer warrior, which she was a real intercessor, um, but she also had four little kids under five, right? That's busy, isn't it? If you've got little kids, you know, that's, that's like busy life right there. I didn't have kids, I wasn't married, so I had no reference for this. I was like, what the heck is going on in this house? I don't know, and I don't know that I want it. <laughs> so I do, clearly. I had three. <laughs> um, but, um, but I just remember what she taught me that day was that even in the dirty, dirty poopy diapers and you're washing diapers and you're getting dirty in the mess, Jesus is right there with you in the mess. But the whole point of this, why I'm saying this little story is, uh, uh, it's a big story actually because it's every woman. Um, uh, the, the, the reason is, is, it doesn't really matter what you're doing on, on any given day. It could be really dirty poopy diapers, right? Jesus is right there with you and he is wanting to bring you, you to bring him into those moments and really honor him really well. And when I was 23 and I just learned some really beautiful lessons from this woman that day that I carried when I had my own kids because I just went, oh my gosh, every moment is a gift. Every life is a gift. Every day is a gift. Every breath I breathe is a gift. My children are a gift and I'm going to live like that every day. And that taught me how to be a priest unto God. The sacredness and carrying that ability just to really love God in everything that I was doing, including changing poopy diapers. <laughs> so I'll get off the poopy diaper thing, but I could have, I've got stories, but I was like, my kids are right there. <laughs> so, 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 oh, there's actually, actually, you know what? No, I have to tell this one now. And it's not about, it's not you, Bella, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> Narrowed it down to two other people in the room. <laughs> I won't say which one. Here is how Jesus is with us in those moments. One of my children, the nameless one, um, was learning how to use the bathroom on his own, locked me out of it. <laughs> and every mum who's had this moment is going to be going, oh my gosh, I know how she feels. When you have like a two-year-old or a four-year-old who's learning to use the bathroom and they literally are getting really a little overconfident, and, but, but I got locked out of the bathroom this day and he spent way too long in there. And, um, and I was like, man, this is not good. This is quiet for a long time for a two or three-year-old. I don't know, you know, too long in the bathroom. So um, when he finally let me in, he was really happy with himself because he had wiped his butt really well. But he messed up his fingers and then tried to clean his fingers, but ended up using it to paint almost every surface. <laughs> I didn't say, <laughs> now listen, but what's really important, <laughs> what is really important about this, what is really important about this is, as a parent, yeah, it was creative, it was creative, <laughs> creative designing. Look what I, I cleaned this, but made that mess while I was cleaning this. Um, I cleaned every surface, right? You're really going to clean it good, aren't you? <laughs> the next person coming in the bathroom does not want to deal with that. 
So I really made sure, like deep cleaned, and then deep cleaned it again. Um, I really, but as I really just, I had to clean every single surface, right? Like everything was messed up, like up, you know, there's some of the taps that used to turn like that, it was like up under. <laughs> so, um, but, so it was detailed, the cleaning was detailed. But, but this is, I, please understand, I'm giving you this story for a reason. I had to really deep clean and there was little tiny surfaces in every little corner and crevice and, and you know, use brushes and everything. I did that and as I was doing that, because I'm a mum learning to really love the Lord through it all, the Lord started really teaching me because he uses moments like that which normally would, you know, turn your stomach, but you'll use even that kind of a moment to start to really teach you who he is and teach you about his heart. And so even in those moments where you can just be so put off by... And some people are going to call cleaners instead of do it themselves, right? Um, you can be so put off by some of the stuff that we have to do in life and not realize that God really wants to be right there with you in every single moment. So as I was cleaning that bathroom, he started just really speaking to me several things about how he cleans up our own lives in the same way. And the yuckiness and the gunk that he's got to clean out of us. And he just does it so patiently and so kindly. And he never shames the two-year-old for painting poop everywhere in the bathroom. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will never shame us. He will never, ever go, what did you do to my bathroom? <laughs> the father is so incredibly gentle and so incredibly kind when he takes his hand and he starts to apply his cleaning to our life. He's so kind and he's so gentle and he cleans in the crevices with the finest little brushes. <laughs> he cleans in the crevices and he wipes away the mess that, that we can't even get to. The four-year-old self or the two-year-old self is an adult, right? 52. The things that I can't clean in me. He's so kind to clean and he's so kind to cleanse away the mess in me that I have sometimes no ideas even in me. Or if I do know it's there, no idea on how to clean it up. And he's just kind because he's a good father. And so even in those moments, Jesus wants to be with you in the moments as you just journey through life. That was just one story from parenting little kids, right? But there could be the story after story. And if you really start to think hard about your own life, you're going to find the hand of God in your life and leading you and teaching you. And he's right there beside you in every one of those moments. And so we just have to turn our gaze to him to realize he's been there all along. And when we turn his gaze to him and realize he's been there all along, then that's the invitation for him to really come in in a bigger way and help you in a bigger way. And then you start to learn how to flow in the Holy Spirit and flow with him day to day after day after day after day. And you become someone whose life is really a, like the priest unto God, bringing worship that becomes like sweet perfume to the Father's heart. Amen. So there was purpose to that story. <laughs> so, I don't like just tell yucky, nasty stories for no reason, right? There's purpose. <laughs> and, and Jesus is the same. There's always purpose in what God is doing. Always. So it doesn't really matter. You, good day, bad day. God has purpose in it for you. So you turn your heart to him and go, okay, what do you have for me? What I'm walking through right now is yuck. This is hard day to day. But there's purpose in it. There's purpose in everything. And you'll always find God's right there and wanting to open up endless possibilities for you just to invite him in. Amen. I better start reading some scripture or doing something from my notes. So I, what I have here, I have, I'm actually going to read, I have, a lot of you all know this Bible verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18. You'll know this. I'm only going to use the first part of the verse though. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. That's the ESV. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. The NASB, and I'm going to actually run through quite a few versions, okay? The NASB says where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. The RSV, where there is no prophecy, people cast off restraint. The CSB, which is a Christian standard Bible, without revelation, people run wild. That's what's happening all around culture right now, isn't it? 
the rest of that in that version says, but the one who follows divine instruction will be happy or blessed. The CEV, which is the common English version, says, without guidance from God, is the prophetic revelation is the guidance we need from God. Without guidance from God, law and order disappear. Oh my gosh, is that not the culture? Right? In the Sept- Septuagint, who knows what the Septuagint is? So I have one, and it, what, it is, what it is, the Septuagint in the 250 BC, they, can, they um, translated the Hebrew Old Testament, all of the Old Testament books into Greek. And so it's just a Greek version of the Old Testament, right? And so, but from this is what it says, there shall be no interpreter to a sinful nation because of the rejection of revelation. I'll read that again, because it's pretty great. There shall be no interpreter to the sinful nation because of the rejection of revelation. Okay, the Passion Translation, which I love, by the way. So people want to chuck it out and go, oh, it's just a phrase version, which it is a paraphrase from the Aramaic. It is, but it's still very, very beautifully, lyrically brings the intimacy of God into scriptures, right? And so don't chuck it out. Because I'm like, I'm like super nerdy on all the word studies and stuff, right? And the, and the Greek and the Hebrew, Aramaic, right? So don't chuck it out. Passion translation. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Okay. The Douay Reims. When there is no vision, people are out of control. <laughs> We've got like schools out of control got people out of control. We've got people riding in streets over tearing down statues. People out of control. God's word um, says, without prophetic vision, people run wild. The good news translation. A nation without God's guidance is a nation without God's order. The literal translation, there's two actual literal translations I have here. A people... This is actually because from straight from the Hebrew, right? A people, people are made naked without a vision. And the second Young's literal is without prophetic vision, people are made naked. Now, why that really matters, and I took the time to run through all of those, is because it actually draws out a lot more from the language. The purpose of us living prophetic is that the people around about us need God's vision for their life. They need God's order in their life. They need to know what God is saying to them about how much he loves them, about the salvation messages, the deliverance messages, the provision messages, but also the great God purpose that he has for their life and the great God purpose that he has for this nation. God is not done with this nation. This is God's beautiful evangelist nation. He told me that many, many, many years ago. And like, I'm an Australian in America on American soil. I'm a missionary, right? And so he literally goes, this is my beautiful evangelist nation. And on this nation has sent the gospel to so many other nations that's throwing your bread upon the waters and it's going to be reaping that in the years to come. Many, many years to come. He told me that a long time ago. This is the beautiful evangelist nation and he will not let it go. But it takes people like you and me getting up, realizing our prophetic call to walk as prophetic people radically into this world, being understanding our role as prophetic priests, like a prophetic priesthood, understanding we carry the words of God everywhere we go and when we let those words come out of our mouth, things around about us change. Atmospheres shift, lives change, people are called into their destiny because we have given them some words to walk on. And they're not our words, they're God's words. Our words will fail them, I will fail people, but God won't. God's words won't. And so when we really diligently seek after what it is you're wanting to say, God, to me personally or the people around about me or to the person I work with or to my boss or to my kids, it doesn't matter who, you're diligently seeking his heart and seeking his thoughts and seeking what it is you want to say and then you get that and then you give that to the person or speak that into the school system or speak that into the government areas. Now change happens. Now people have something to walk on because those words are eternal words and and God won't let his own words fall short. God won't let his words fall 
to the ground without accomplishing his purposes. They won't return to him void. He will accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish with his word as it goes forth out of our mouth. That's the purpose. We are the ones that carry his words and are supposed to be bold enough to go speak it everywhere he sends us. Sent one means to be apostolized into being called into serving the Lord. A messenger or an ambassador for Christ. You, that is you. You've been called and appointed and given a job, given a mission, commissioned into going into the places where he has you so that you can be his mouthpiece to the people around about you because, because God chose to use you and me. He chose to, and, and so I'm saying that part because we can discount ourselves. I'm a broken vessel. Use someone else who's smarter. Use someone else who prays more. Use someone else who's more eloquent. And God's like, no, no, I placed you there. They can't get into the place I placed you. Your job is to speak to the people in your world. They will never even meet them, right? And so we all have like this, like a measure or a metron or like a spiritual jurisdiction is what it is, right? You know people that I don't know. Every day you encounter people I will never. And so your job is to speak to them and tell them about who Jesus is, explain to them why they even exist and that there's purpose in their life of why they exist. And as you do that, the words you give those people have now words they can activate into their life and live on because there's God's words. As you speak and talk about God to them, he will put his words into your mouth because he said he would. You just have to go and do it. You just have to be the person who's like, okay, I'm in this place and I have a job and maybe you're the only Christian. I've been in that place. I'm the only believer here, but my job is just to talk to anybody who'll listen and tell them about Jesus. And I, uh, yeah, anyway. We are a prophetic priesthood and it's, it's for our own benefit, like God wants it to be a benefit for our lives. He wants to make you a success. He wants to increase you. He wants to grow your life and have you just extremely uh, like overjoyed with like, uh, exuberant love for him, passionately poured back on him, a content heart full of gratitude, thankful every day, right? There's that part to it. But the purpose is even greater, as great as that is, it's even greater. It's that, that you would then go and show and tell to everybody else how good God's life looks on you so that that is a like a contagious thing so that people literally go, what? why is this person so happy? Why is this person so... And I don't mean just like fake happy because you can be walking through, and David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, <laughs> right? You can be walking through hard times but still full of incredible appreciation for who Jesus is, still full of gratitude for who he is, still living a life that's just very thankful. That's what true joy is. Because like happiness, like as an emotion, the way the world would define it, comes and goes. And, and if you're led by your emotions, you'd be up one day, down the next, right? And so, so happiness is just as, a, as an emotion only. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that is irrepressible in you, no matter what the circumstance you're walking through. So someone might not know if you're in a valley or, uh, in, you know, in a valley or on the mountaintop, won't really change because you're still thankful. You're still full of joy. You could be mourning and grieving the loss of something, I just cried in front of you all here a few minutes ago about some, you know, family members, right? And so, but, but I'm still full of joy over it because I've let go any pain that might come to me as that loss is felt, fully let it go, so I can be so free to really pray into what they need, right? And the joy of the Lord and the contentment of the Lord in you will do that, will set you free the same way, right? Anyway, so... I'm going to talk about, um, jump over to the Old Testament. We have, um, yesterday we met with, uh, I don't know, I, maybe there was 20 people, maybe less, I don't even know. Uh, in, the, in, our, in my house yesterday morning, we meet um, uh, to pray at nine and then to teach at 10. And Dave over here, who is a prophet, um, he spoke for, um, he just taught for an hour as well. So prayed for an hour and then taught for an hour. We've started a prophetic company because the Lord really stirred me probably nine months ago and it took me three months before I'd even talked to anybody because I'm like, 
I've got to start this thing. No, I'm not trying to be more busy. <laughs> but, like, um, and so, so I started talking to a few people and, and as soon as like just people actually Lord told me to ask and they immediately all of them, yes, yes, yes. So, so we got together then and started praying and meeting and talking and until and, and just yesterday we've, it, it, we've really ramped it up now to be legitimately we're going to start teaching more and, and being very, very intentional with teaching people how to live a prophetic life. And so in every aspect of life, I told you about cleaning toilets right? and cleaning up bathrooms. Like even in those moments, you're still with the Lord and receiving revelation from him. So just you might be cleaning a bathroom, but he's still right there wanting to communicate to you. All of the communication from the Lord to you is prophetic. All of the communication from you, from the Lord to you is revelation itself means to reveal or uncover. He makes himself known. Okay, so all of the communication from the Father to you is prophetic. Okay, okay. So what is a company? What is a company of prophets? Um, um, the NIV. If you look at it in the NIV, ten times it says uses the phrase "company of prophets." If you use other translations, it might say like another another phrase. But I company of prophets is what I like. So, um, but company in the Hebrew it actually comes from a word "ben," and if anybody here who knows Hebrew, "ben" means son. Or so so. Um, sometimes it'll be like, if you read through genealogies in the Old Testament, it'll be like, son of this person, son of that person. Well, company of prophets means son of the prophets. And so why, why God was very intentional to do this and even use the phrase like that is because we're meant to intentionally teach and train up other people how to do this, right? And so I think God's so strategic, right? We kind of bump into him and go, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Like, and then we start talking about the things he tells us and we look smart, but it's really God. <laughs> so, like, he literally goes, just this company of prophets is son of the prophets. And, and Ben is from another word called bana or banana, not banana. Sound... <laughs> anyway, bana, bana, <laughs> no R in that. <laughs> <laughs> Just doing that for anyone wondering if I'm pronouncing it like an Australian and not an American. Barna, barna means to build up something, right? To build up something, to build up an ev- a, a, a fortification, fortify something, strengthen something, to build up something. But So even again, he's the strategy of God, even in the phrase um, son of prophets, that the job is to build up people's lives, build up the company of believers, build up my church, build up the nations, build up cities, right? So even the word, like um, the Ben from Bana, which is the company of prophets, even to understand the intentionality of the Father, to, to even purpose in his heart that in the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, that there would be this deliberate, intentional training up of people into the prophetic. The whole purpose behind it is because it trains us up into the things of God, builds our life as an individual, builds my faith as a person who loves Jesus, right? Builds your faith. And then as a company, as a, as a church family together, builds us stronger. But then builds us so strong that we start having a really very radical effect on the city around about us. Prophecy sometimes tears down. Truth to lies is the tearing down. But prophecy far more builds up. Prophecy builds up because it gives people a prophetic vision of what their life or their family or their workplace or their job, their business, their city, their school system, their classroom. Um, It gives people a prophetic vision of something that they can go, oh my gosh, God has given me this. Because he's given me this, I'm also empowered to run at it. There's power behind what he reveals and shows for us to accomplish it because it's his heart. It's his very heart. When he gives us his heart and shows us dreams from his heart and he makes those ours, we are empowered to run after it with everything we have to accomplish it. He doesn't like dangle carrots in front of us to say, now run hard and strive all you can to get to that carrot. He doesn't do that. He gives us these dreams and he gives us these visions like the biggest dream in your heart is being put there by God in the first place so that you'll connect with him, get filled with him and run at it because you're empowered to run at it with everything he has in you, everything he wants to be in you. 
He fills you. He's in you. He empowers you. He speaks to you every day so that you can run at those things, right? He wants to make your life like that. I said earlier, so big, expand your life so much. Have you so incredibly overjoyed living such a gratitude, grateful, joy-filled life that you are literally contagious to the people around about you as they meet you in your, in your world? So God on you, in you, he wants to be so in you and have so much of you and have so much of you accomplishing his purposes and his plans that your life is contagious. Do you know that one of the, um, one of the um, uh, uh, Roman emperors, one of the Caesars, um, is, maybe you've heard about some of the historical writers, Josephus was one of the writers and Tertullian, some of those writers around that time, something that they said a couple of times, um, oh, this will make me cry, <laughs> again. <laughs> so one of the things they said is, um, we can't put those people down. He was talking about the, um, believers, the believers in Christ. We can't put those people down. We can't put their movement down. They're so full of joy. They love each other so much. When they get together, they don't stop laughing and giggling and singing. But he didn't use the word giggling. I put that piece in because they wouldn't use giggle. That's modern. But you understand what I'm saying? Right. We can't put those people down no matter how hard we try because they were killing Christians by the hundred daily. We can't put these people down because they love each other so much. They're so connected to each other and they just love God so much and they're full of his joy. And what was in them, they, they, like the Caesar and his historical writers, you know that's that phrase that whoever wins the battles writes the history. You know that phrase, right? So the Caesars are who are paying for the history to be written. And the guy is writing history about the believers. Caesar doesn't want him to write, right? But he's literally going, we can't put the movement down. Isn't that amazing? I, I mean, blow me away. Because uh, like, they were so full of God, so full of the prophetic revelation he'd given to them, so full of the vision and running at it with everything they had and so full of joy and overwhelmed by it. That they just ran around life and changing everyone around about them because it's infectious. Like Jesus wants to be infectious in you. And I mean for good, right? Like not COVID type infectious, but good infectious. Like loving infectious, joyful infectious where people want to be around you because you are the one who's bringing life into the room. And it's not even about you. It's about God in you bringing life everywhere you go. You change atmospheres. We have to understand who we are. We change everything. And it's not because we are special ourselves amongst each other because God shows no partiality. We're the same. But to God, we're really, really special. So special that he came and took up residence in our hearts. And that's what then makes us really, really special. Right? I think, I, I think I'm going to stop preaching and just pray for a bit. Um, I didn't even use like any of my notes, which is not good, but you know, anyway. Well, it is good, like whatever, whatever. Honestly, so long as it really honours Jesus and I'm saying what he once said, that's what I really care about. We're going to do this, we're going to do this. So um, we're going to do a little bit of activation, okay? Um, now, just because I said that word, don't, don't go, oh, what does she mean by that? It just means I really, um, some people criticize that word and say it's a new age word. I'm like, really, would you stop? Because anything that they're doing, all they did is co-opt it from Jesus anyway. <laughs> they counterfeited what Jesus already wanted to give us. It's in our inheritance. We're taking it back. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'm going to do this first. There's, there's quite a few different ways that God can speak to us. Um, many different ways God can speak to us. So I don't want to, even with what I'm going to say, I don't want to even limit it, right? So this is just a little bit of guidepost. And if you're way outside the lines, that's fine too, okay? Um, okay, so uh, what would be very obvious to a lot of people is God speaks and you can hear his voice, like an external voice, like, Hello. like you can hear that with your with your external ears or but an internal because you have internal like hearing inside God can use a voice and speak like that right and 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 by the way often when God is doing it the voice is so familiar to us 
we often set it aside and go, that wasn't God, it was me, I made it up, or it sounded like my mum. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and we use all of these reasons to go, nah, that wasn't God. And we discount our own hearing. Yet the first thing that we were given and designed with was for the ability to hear from God. <laughs> like you're created to hear God and interact with him. First, primary the most vital part of who you are was first designed to be a person who hears God. Believer or unbeliever, doesn't even matter. We all have this in us. We're created to encounter and engage through communication. The one who made us, made us with this ability to hear him. So we have ears. There's scriptures that'll say, open the eyes of my heart or open, you know, open the eyes. Oh, actually, oh, that's a song, isn't it? But it's the same. We have eyes and ears, like internal eyes and internal ears of seeing internally, right? So the second thing is God uses pictures and visions and dreams and spiritual seeing. Um, it's, it's amazing to me because children, you know, you know people, uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've done this yourself or you've had kids that have done this. Um, kids will go, I have an invisible friend. <laughs> and the adult goes, no, you don't. And the adult world has trained us all to put that aside as myth, as fiction, not understanding that all along children come out of the womb with the ability to see and hear God. And as, as we grow up through life, we get told it's myth and it's fiction. And so if we have our own child, we become the person who's saying to our child, no, you don't see angels, no, you don't see demons, no, you don't see in the spirit realm. The whole time they've been seeing in the spirit realm. We shut it off as we've been told to by somebody just a little bit further on in life than, than we are. And so, and so we all grow up into this world and we all shut off the hour. It's, not, it's still there, but we've sh- it's like a, light, a, 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 flick that we, a flick that we switched. <laughs> a switch that we flicked? Which one's right? The second one. <laughs> anyway, um, giggle, giggle. It's giggling. We're talking about giggling is good too, right? <laughs> Even if it's at me. So, um, like, a, like a light switch. We switch off that ability to see and hear, and um, and then as adults wonder why, wonder why we don't hear, don't see, but we, we we people around us might, and sometimes we get a little frustrated with ourselves, or frustrated with God, or mad with God, or mad with the people who do because we don't, or jealous of the people who do because we don't, and all of that stuff is actually greater hindrance to our hearing and to our seeing, right? So we're going to leave that at the foot of the cross in just a moment before we move on. So pictures, visions, dreams, and spiritual seeing. Acts 2 and Joel 2 contain the same words. On these latter days, I will pour out my spirit and your women and your men, right? Both male and female. will all dream dreams and see visions. It is meant to be our normal way of operating life. An everyday occurrence that we're not flipped out by because we can see in the supernatural realm. Because God wants to be with us in every moment and helping us in every moment. And so, of course, he's then also going to show us what is going on in the spiritual realm. Because the natural has an effect on the spiritual, and the spiritual has an effect on the natural, right? That they're so interconnected. So he wants us to be very aware and discerning of that. So the other thing, the third thing is, um, I always laugh when I say this because anybody old enough, I'm 52, anybody old enough will have used to hear the word unction. I've got an unction. <laughs> Thus said the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but I just did it. I don't know. Um, but um, I was being a bit sarcastic at people who do that actually and I shouldn't do that. Shouldn't be sarcastic like that. Um, um, but an unction, all it, knowing, you just know on the inside here, by the way, because this is like in your guts, you know in your gut is actually a biblical Old and New Testament word because the mind and the heart, so the brain, neurons in your brain, you know there's like 50 million neurons, that neurons, which is a brain cell, 50 million of brain cells are in your gut. <laughs> With your, so your gut, is connected here and thinks and feels. It's 40, 40 million in your heart and 50 million in your gut. Like so when the, world, the worldly word is intuition, the biblical word is discernment, right? So you have brain cells in your gut. Isn't that a bit wild to think about? God designed us this way 
So it's okay, it's good, but it's understand. So compassion, Jesus was moved with compassion all the time. The compassion is the feeling from the gut, right? And anointing for Jesus to heal people flowed when he felt compassion. You read through, whenever he healed people, anointing flowed on the compassion, the gut feeling, the knowing, knowing. So you know, sometimes a revelation comes and you know that you know that you know that you know and it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter that 50,000 lies are coming at you through your TV every day. You still know what God told you and you can't be convinced otherwise. Knowing. All right, the fourth thing, and this is the one that really trips people up, um, ecstatic experience. Um, Who's read through the book of Ezekiel before? It is a book full of massive ecstatic experience. If he was alive and if we saw the things that he was doing in his day and were to watch the things that were happening to him, like in a church service, half the room would leave. (laughs) I mean, because, you know, because, well, I won't go there. Ecstatic experience, I'm just going to read this, trances, open visions, strong emotions, extreme joy, being overwhelmed by the presence and power of God and being moved in the spirit, being literally moved in the spirit. Sometimes angels would come into the room and pick Ezekiel up and move him by the top of his head to another part of the city. Like we can't get our brains around that sometimes, right? We haven't quite seen that level of Holy Spirit activity Yet, okay, yet, ecstatic experience. So they're just four areas that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and use to uncover and show himself, reveal, that's, revelation is the showing of himself, the revealing himself, okay? That's all it means. What we're gonna do now is, I am gonna pray a prayer, and if you agree with me, right, to really get yourself cleaned up, filters cleaned up, old hindrances gone, and then we're gonna pray. Everybody receives something in the room here, right? So you don't, like we talk to people, you don't have to close your eyes and you don't have to bow your heads. It's not, you don't have to do that. You can if you want to. Sometimes I close my eyes, sometimes I don't close my eyes. Sometimes I close them to remove the distraction, Maybe, maybe I am really trying to zero in on something Jesus is showing me. Other times I'm trying to zero in on something that he's doing in the room, right? And so, so it doesn't matter. Close your eyes, keep them open, bow your head, don't bow your head. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you engage your heart right now. We're gone. Okay. So just do that all over the room. And um, Jesus, right now I do pray that people would lay aside hindrances that have stopped them from hearing you, stopped them from seeing you, stopped them from encountering you, anything, doesn't matter what it is, God, I pray, highlight it in their heart if they need some help like that. Highlight what they might need to just set aside. Any hindrance, even if it's idolatry type hindrance, God, I pray that there'd be the humility to repent and let it go, set it aside, kick it to the curb. Yeah, help people with that, Father. I also just pray right now for filters that might have wounds, hard experience, grief, loss, filters. Just help people, just clean those off. Help people, just remove that from people right now. Pain, if there's pain in people's hearts that causes them to push away or keep themselves distant from you, I just pray, Jesus, that you would... um, Reveal that to people now and let them, just give them the ability to let it go. Like even with an exhale, maybe just, I felt the God just go that, just like exhale that pain out, like breathe in and exhale it out. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. So Jesus, now I'm really asking that you reveal something to people here. Open the heart, open the eyes of their heart, open the ears, let them feel, let them engage, let them know somehow, some way. Give them something, stir their heart in some manner for something, reveal to them something. I actually um, sense that he's just shown maybe one or two people, maybe more, um, something that he wants you to actually let go of. 
I wasn't expecting that, but, I, but I, I'm going to take this a little bit this way. I um, sense that he's just shown a few people the thing that has been a hindrance. And so um, would you, in humility, just let that go, really let it go. If, if he's shone a light on something, like he's highlights, highlighted something that has been a hindrance, and um, let, let him pull that out of you, right? Because he's gentle, he's kind. So as you yield, as you just, with your heart before him, in humility, repent of the thing if you need to do that, or just let, let go of, if it's a pain thing, let go and then say, I, I yield over this area of grief to you now. And as you let it go, just exhale that as well, like breathe in and then just exhale off pain or exhale out the repentance. I'm sorry. Ariel, what's your mum's name? What's, yeah, what's your name? M with an M? Michelle. I, I, I don't know why, but the whole time I've been, like, even praying through, I just keep seeing, like, there's a beam spotlight coming from heaven, like, right onto you. And I, I could even see it when I'm looking over here, and it just would keep drawing me back here. Uh, I felt the Lord just go, you have a really burning passion at heart for him. And you have for a long time and maybe there's things that you're still waiting to come to fruition in your life and he's going to bring those to fruition now. But he sees there is a burning, passionate desire for him and he is recognising that in you and even before these people says back to you, he's matching that love and that desire and that passion for you. He's pouring it out on you. I just feel heat on that. Can you put your hands on her? Yeah, Jesus, we just pray right now. I just pray right now. Let the fire of God fall upon her, Father. Like that burning, hot, passionate heat. Let it fall on her right now. Um, thank you, Jesus. He sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. So God, I just pray, I'm just really burning up with two. So I just pray that there would be like burn, like let her feel that passionate love, that passionate desire, your burning fire on her. Let it, even her heart just pump that blood, that resurrection life in her blood, right? Let it flow through her now, Father, and like burn, burn in a way that just reveals your passionate love for her, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Um, yeah, just keep your eyes closed still just for a few minutes or, I mean, open if you want to, but the heart to keep letting the Lord minister to people. I'm going to ask this because I don't really know what it means, but I feel like someone is connected to an animal. If God is showing you, <laughs> I know it sounds so silly, but this is the way I've got to do it, right? I felt like the Lord just go, I've been showing someone, maybe even more than one person, something to do with an animal. And I don't know if it's a pet that they have now or that they had when they were a child. It's anybody. And that's fine too. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> Leave me hanging. <laughs> so, so, I, 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 okay. So I don't know what it was, but I, he just said, "Call it out." So you just all saw me call something out, right? Actually, this is a really great example. And someone's like really taken a risk, as I just did there. So I called it out, and then and then people in the congregation respond like that. Um, um, the person like take risk. Like, don't not take risks because you're afraid. Because if, if, if that was wrong and it just fell and hit the ground, I'm okay. It doesn't do me any damage, right? Because I've taken the risk. But it's, it's even really greater when someone goes, actually, yeah, I, th I think it's me. 
Um, so take the risk, okay? I don't know why he said that, other than I'll just start praying on it for both of you, okay? With everybody here. So, Jesus, I do just lift, I just lift up to them why animals are a gift from God, right? Oh, oh, you both have a little bit of the same story. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray, actually, on the story, on both of your stories. Um, um, Jesus, thank you. You are kind. You are loving. And so even, even to undo wounds that might be there from sometimes decades old, right? Sometimes fresher. But I just pray, Father, for the wound because it's, it's the same. I just pray right now, God, that there would be such, um, that you'd apply like yourself, like your healing, healing balm to the wounds in their heart. That, and, and, and I know in both these women, Jesus, they have seen you as their deliverer. They have seen you as their comforter. They did cling to you in these hard times. But I pray, God, all the more that they'd see all the more. You want to pour out even more of the nurturing, protector, father-hearted, loving, kind, good father, but also a husband. You're also a husband, and so, God, I just bless on them both just the healing in their heart. Um, if there's anything that has um, residual, anything residual, just clean off any filter on that, Father. Not saying there is, right? You're both really great women. I just bless the hearing. I bless the seeing in the spirit and everybody here actually right now. Eyes to be opened, ears to be opened, new dreams, new visions, fresh every single day, new every single day. God, encounter everybody in this room so that they know that they know that they know who they are in you and they don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to live in doubt. Surrender the doubt. Surrender any unbelief because even in a believer, there can still be some unbelief, right? Surrender that today and don't walk out of here without maybe having, having someone to pray for you at the end of the service if you are dealing with some of that stuff. But I just bless you this morning before people leave. I bless the hearing. I bless the seeing. I bless the open visions. I bless the, the night, night dreams and day dreams. And I pray God for the greater prophetic revelation into people's hearts, but I pray that people would accept it and have the faith to run for it in Jesus' name, literally like the faith to go running after you for everything that you are. In Jesus' name, I pray boldness, I pray greater faith, and when we just have like a, a fraction of a, of a bit of a picture, that we lean into your heart, Jesus, and go after it and find out what it is you're trying to say, and that we be diligent seekers of you, God, diligent seekers of your heart, diligent seekers of your face, and understand you are with us every single day. You never leave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 